Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Trevor Baker is called Mission Above Position. We want to invite you to come to our prophetic watches gathering with guest speakers Barbie Brethet, Drew Keir, and Trevor Baker from the 16th to the 18th of March here in Dudley at Revival Fires. Visit our website to register and for full details. There is no registration fee. www.revivalfires.org.uk This morning I want to continue this whole theme of watching. What God is watching over His Word. How many of you got prophetic words over your life? How many of you, keep your hands up, how many of you have got a passage, passage of Scripture that really is important to you? Every time you read it, it's like your heart just jumps a beat. And for everybody whose hand isn't um, raised, I believe that this morning God's got a word for you. Okay, you can put your hands down. And um, see, God is watching over his word. And you know what I've been sharing over the last few weeks? And that is that heaven releases its word. That's why the prophetic word is so important. You know, God spoke a word in creation came into being. And so he spoke a word, light came into being. He spoke a word and the heavens were separated. And so you just go through. God does nothing without revealing it to his servants, the prophets, because the prophets speak a word. As the prophets speak the word, it has the ability to create what God has said that word will do. And so here this morning, um, as we're looking at this whole theme of watching, and we have had, you know, let me just say to everybody who turned up for the watch with the Lord over the last three days, we had an incredible time. And I just feel that you're just picking up something in the spirit. Um, as we're doing this together and listen it was just great to see the amount of people that came both to the mornings and also to the evenings you know let's keep going for it because I believe that we've got revelation we have strategy and listen it isn't about opinions as you've heard me say it's about what God is revealing and I believe that we are in a place where we can see God's word come about in Dudley that's the sphere that he's given us here in order to influence and so you know God releases that word and as he releases it into our lives you remember Jeremiah chapter 1 just quickly verses 4 and 5 it talks there and God says to him before you were born I created you to be a prophet to the nations and Jeremiah then goes on to say but who am I Lord I can't even speak and God says to him who made your mouth Can you see? God is never concerned about what we think we can't do. That's a word for somebody this morning. God is more concerned with you believing what he said you can do. And, uh, and he goes on, he says, listen, I've set you as a prophet over the nations. You're going to tear down, you're going to tear down those things that are built up in opposition to God. And you're going to build up those things that are in alignment with the will of God. That's what the prophetic do, does. And, um, and he says to him, now, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see an almond tree. And he says to him in verse 12, he says, you've seen correctly. I am watching over my word that there would be a fulfillment of it. 
Now listen, you have to understand with the whole thing with the prophet. Remember Samuel, the prophet, and Samuel 3 verse 19, it says these words. This word is burning in me. This Samuel 3 19, it says these words. And Samuel did not let one word of the Lord fall to the ground. See, I believe that we need to pick up words that God has spoken in a past season. I was reading this morning in, um, in Genesis chapter 46, and it's where the sons go back to Jacob. And they go back to Jacob and they said, Jacob, Joseph is alive. And he is leader in Egypt. The very thing that God prophesied 17 years earlier. Can you see? I believe that some of you are about to hear good news where you've been hearing bad news. And then he says he did not believe it until he saw the wagons loaded with all the produce from Egypt that Jacob had sent. And it wasn't until he saw the blessing of God that he could believe again. And when he saw the blessing, it says, and his spirit revived. Hallelujah. Go on, give God praise for laden carts. You know, that word of, um, that word this morning of Darren, Listen, I, b I believe you need to get hold of that word. It was such a blessing. I've heard it twice now. I said to him this morning, you've got to say that word again. And uh, till we get it. And, um, and so here, see, God creates us in order to carry his glory. What's his glory? It's when his word is written. And the word became flesh and we beheld his glory. So here, every time God speaks into our lives, He wants us to put into action the words that He says. And as we put it into action, He then reveals His glory through us. Whoa, that's good news. And, um, and so here, it says of Jesus, the Word became flesh. And I want you to become living um, examples, or should I say, living visual aids for people to experience God's glory. Wouldn't that be amazing? And so he watches over his word. And I want you this morning to really get hold of this whole sense of what it is that God has called you to. You see, so often we look at ministry. I want you to look at mission this morning. See, God co-missions and mission is the sphere of influence that you have that is going to restore and bring transformation. And I feel that it's sometimes we got this wrong the wrong way around because so often what we're after is ministry. Ministry is what you release when you're in that place of mission. But we need to know the mission that God has placed upon us. Jeremiah knew the mission and that was to be a prophet to the nations. There was a geographical strategy that God had given to him. And so here, with every word that God releases to it, it's all about your mission. 
You see, and so often we're asking God for ministry. God, I want more gifts. Listen, when you're in the place of mission, that's when you release the gifts that God has put in you so that others may be touched with the blessing of God in their lives. Are you with me? And so here this morning, as we look at this, you see, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 5, it says that a body you have prepared for me. Then it goes on, in the volume of the books it is written about me, I delight to do your will. So what was it? A body you prepared for me. In the volume of the books it is written about me. And you've heard me say this last week. Every time it says, and so was fulfilled the word that was spoken by. You read through the first chapters of the Gospels in each of them. And there's more in there. With God. And he fulfilled what was written. This fulfilled what was written in the prophets. And so here Jesus brought fulfillment. God wants you to bring fulfillment in your life. Now listen, when we understand there's four things, I am going to get through them today. Sharon looked at my notes last night and she said, you'll never do it. Now that is a challenge. Okay, that is a challenge. I don't want to rush it, but I do want to get through because I want you to get hold of it. She says, Trevor, each one of those points is a week. You know? So uh, I'm going to try and make it very easy for you. And, um, and just by word of testimony, see, you don't know when you do something, when you say a word, you do not know the impact it's going to have. I was at somebody's house this week and um, we were just having a cup of tea with Sharon's sister and her um, brother-in-law. Um, Jean and Rob. And so we were in their lounge. He was in another room talking to somebody, ministering to somebody. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, Trev, come on in here. And uh, come on into this room where he was talking with this person. So um, I go into the room and uh, the person nearly falls off his chair. He says, and then he says to this guy, uh, Matthew, he says, Matt, he says, this is Trevor Baker. And he says, I can't believe it. He says, you're Trevor Baker. He says, uh, I got born again through watching one of your meetings eight years ago. And, um, and he says, he says, do you know, it was the time when you were doing a whole lot of healings. There were people doing crazy things, ooing and ahhing. You were shaking your head. He says, and, and me and a friend, me and a friend were high on drugs and alcohol. And we thought we'd have some fun. And, uh, and they started to watch and they were just making fun all the way through the, the miracles that was happening. Oh, you know, ha, 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 look at them, man, they're crazy. And he was going, and then he says, you stop midstream. And you said these were, and he quoted the words. He says, you said, out of the overflow of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. What are you releasing from the words that you say? And this person, I mean, he says it was the quickest come down he'd ever had. And he said, I remembered, as you said, I remembered my words and all the destruction I'd caused in people's lives by what I'd said about them. 
And he says, and I just asked Jesus to forgive me there and then. Um, today, he is a worship leader, never played an instrument before. Seven years, eight years ago, never played an instrument. He's now a worship leader. He married a pastor's daughter. And um, he's going to be leading the worship at Sharon's mom's celebration of her life. Isn't that amazing? Come on, give God praise. I mean, as I say, so you see, you, you cannot underestimate the power of the words that you've got. And if we begin to understand more and more, understand the things that God wants to do with us, you see, and who, who knows how many more people, even in your life, who you've spoken to. See, we need to understand the mission that we've been called to. And as we understand the mission that we've been called to, God is watching over his word in your life so that you fulfill the very things that he's called you to. Do you remember in, I'm going to base it around the story of the life of Paul. Do you remember Paul in chapter 9? You'll have to quickly read these afterwards. But chapter 9, Paul is on a horse. He's going to Damascus, gets knocked off his horse by a bolt of lightning. Well, the bolt of lightning was in the sky and he fell off his horse. And, and as he falls off his horse, he's lying on the ground and he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Or why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Why do you kick against the goading? Why do you kick against the, the provocations of my spirit to bring you into alignment? That's what it means. And uh, you know, then what happens, he goes, he's blind, he goes to a house, he's blind for three days, Ananias comes in, and uh, as he comes in, God says to him, this is the prophetic word, go, he's my chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and their kings, before the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That was the word he had. Listen, by the end of chapter 26, listen to what he says. He says to him when he's with King Agrippa, he says to him there because now he's in Rome or he's on, about to go to Rome. You see, where the king dwelt was Rome. That was Caesar. So that word that he had to stand before kings meant that at some point he had to get to that city of Rome. Do you understand? That's how impacting the word was. And so then he's standing before Agrippa before he makes his final journey. And he says to him, who are you, Lord? And this is what Jesus said. Who are you? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, the Lord. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant. Listen now, a servant, a witness of what you've seen in me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now listen, when you look at that word, it's like, how do you get that word from the first word? The first word was just basically, you know, a dozen or so words. Then he comes to hear and listen to what it has here. I have appeared to you, a sovereign act. You're a servant and a witness. There's an assignment. 
You have seen what I will show you, revelation. I will rescue you, protection. I am sending you, commissioning, to turn them from darkness to light, the power of Satan to God, ministry. Forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified. A message. Can you see? There is so much there. When God spoke, it was just a little passage of Scripture. But it covered the whole of His life. And see, we need to understand our mission of what God has brought to us. You see, so often... Everybody is looking for position. Everybody wants, in Danny Silk's terms, everybody wants to be the big red truck. Because we're wanting position. Because, you know, and you look in the world today and everybody is looking for position. You have people who are presidents of nations. It's just about position. Everybody is looking for positions. See, I don't want you to look for positions. Let me tell you, when God has got you in the place of your mission, you will be in the right position. But never try and get to a position because God wants you to be in a place of mission. And listen, when you look for position, let me tell you what God does. You look up for position, God causes you to look down. You see, with Paul, he looked up and he says in chapter 26, he says, verse 11, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But when he receives the heavenly vision, that's all about position. But when he sees it, God takes him down. Why? Because God has to deal with him. That's what we need to understand this morning. You see, position is to accomplish a mission. It's never for a place of supremacy. And I believe that God is positioning people for mission. And with that, you see, Sometimes there are hindrances to getting us there and it takes some time for God to work that out of us. You know, for Joseph, it was, he had the vision, it's 17 years, 13 years later, he gets to the position. But now he's in a place where he has a mission, not a position. And so with Paul, Paul takes 17 years well, look at that. He takes 17 years. You see, hindrances to us being in the place of mission is immaturity. See, your prophetic word is all about a seed. Tell somebody next to you, you've got a seed. Now say this, the seed is not the tree. It has the potential. Now tell them you've got potential. Hallelujah. That's good. If you get nothing else this morning, that would be great. You see, there was immaturity and also that we have to know how to handle opportunities. You see, because so often we can mismanage the opportunity. And when we mismanage the opportunity, we never move into the place of mission. You can see that with so many people. I've not got time to go into all the people. You've only got to look at people I've just mentioned this morning. Saul mismanaged the opportunity. Didn't carry out what God had said. Can you see? 
Absalom didn't carry out the word that God had said. And you can run through all of them. You look at Demas, has forsaken me. And yet he had a great call upon his life, Bring it into the New Testament. And so here, we need to understand the hindrances. God, second thing is this, God never validates position over mission. See, God is not interested why you want more. God wants to know what it is that you're doing here. You know, and I remember somebody said to um, John Wimber, and I think he answered him really correctly. And they came up to John and they said to John Wimber, can you pray for my ministry? See, ministry always makes you look good. Mission may not make you look good. Did you get that? See, when we're doing the things that God has called us to do, we may not look that good. But you see, and I'll show you that from Paul's life. You see, but, and he said, will you, will you pray for my ministry? John Wimber turned around to him and he says, good luck. He says, why do you want me to pray for your ministry? And the person says this so that I can be like the other pastors in the town. Position. See, people say to me, how big is your church? I say, oh, it's about 23,000 square feet. (laughs) When they hear 23,000, their eyes light up. They're just about ready to bow down to me. As, oh, thou great man of God. And then it says, square feet. And, uh, you know, that's just what we are like. Because we're all looking for position. God never validates that. You see, God will get you to where you lift others up. That's what mission is all about. That's what it's all about. Get you to where you lift others up. Also, as you understand mission, provision always follows mission, not position. See, sometimes we are thinking, God, I've got so much vision. But you see, you can have all the vision you want. But if you're not doing it in terms of mission, and mission is bringing restoration and transformation in that place that God has put you. See, ministry is about ministering into people the blessing of God. But mission is far bigger. And I believe that God is going to bring us, that's why he commissions us. See, he he wants us to co-work together with him. And so here, provision follows mission. And I believe that as we begin to step into that place of mission, taking the words that God has spoken, you know the four things that I said last week, what were they? So you don't know them. I know it gets hard. Yes. Fan it. War with it. Guard it. Okay, I need to preach that again. Okay, we're not this morning. 
And so here, as you pursue your mission, what has God said? See, Paul pursued his mission. I have sent you, you know, to a people group to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan God, that they may receive forgiveness. How do we receive forgiveness? By hearing the gospel. See, we start to get hold of this picture here. And so um, pursue mission because it releases provision. Never pursue provision for what you're wanting to do. And so here... What we need to realize is that God is not a talent show host. He's not looking for talent. He is looking for people who will take hold of his word for their lives. You know? And, and if you take hold of God's word for your life, he will put all the gifting, all the talent, all the vision, all the favor upon you. But it won't come because you're talented. And that doesn't cancel out talented people. But what we do is we bring everything in subserviency to him. And so here, you see, so often we can think, well, we never, we weren't dealt a very good hand in life. You know, we weren't this good. I was with um, the grandchildren yesterday and um, they were doing some multiplication. What's the word for the multiplication that Beth's using? Long multiplication. I just thought long multiplication, you just kept multiplying the same thing over and over again. And, uh, and as they were doing it, you see, see, I wasn't that good at math. I'm, and I'm so glad that God doesn't look for people who are smart at maths. Do you understand? And then Ryan just said, oh, that they asked him, what was the one question, Ryan? Um, what's 100% of? 22 divided by 100. He went click. He got it just like that. Because, and I said to him, that's because you know the laws of math. And they never change. Can you see? And now I, I just didn't get hold of the laws. So for me, multiplication, I have to just go through two times, two times, you know, uh, and just keep adding it up. But you see, God's not interested in your gifting. See, God always looks at our hearts. And then he will put all the gifting that you need in order to fulfill what he's called you to fulfill. And sometimes, not always, sometimes, even the very things that you are gifted in, he tells you to set it aside. That's just how he works. And so here, the, um, as I say, is not a talent show host. And not only that, he's not a travel agent that just wants you to get to a destination. Can you see? And so often we can look and we can think that God is like this talent show host. He's looking for the people who are the best. And choosing, that's the world in which it's all about position. Can you see? It's okay. You made those people around you jump, but it just made me turn around. And, um, but you see, it's all to do with position. It's what they're going to get from, what it is that their talent has opened up. And so here, 
God isn't that. He's not a travel agent to get you from A to B. But there is a journey that he wants to take you on. And so here the second thing is this procedure. How do you proceed? How do you move with God? If there is a journey, how do you get to it rather than seeing where is the destination? You see, for Paul, he had a destination. The destination was to be in Rome. And if you look at it in chapter 28, there's a verse in there that says, And we came to Rome. That's what I gave over Richard last week. And Paul, he says, And we came to Rome. Because God will always get you to the final place where you're going to have some of your greatest missions. And you know, when Paul was in Rome, he wrote a lot of the books that you find in the New Testament were written when he was in prison in Rome because God just had him some time in order to focus in on the things that he'd been um, brought into. You see, Paul saw up, but God took him down. See, we need to see what heaven's revealing, but then we need to allow heaven to take us forward. God will position you and God will proceed to take you through lots of different experiences because he has to work in you what is pleasing in his sight. You see, and the whole thing with the procedure, it's opposite to the dream. The dream is the destination. That's what we dream of. But you see, the, the procedure is all about the journey. Do you know why? Three things. It produces maturity. It defines your message and it develops you as a person. Let me say that again. The journey, it will produce maturity, it will define your message and it will develop you as a person. Now in that, in that you start to look at Paul in terms of his life. Listen to what it says here in Galatians. And uh, because you start to see something of his journey. And as God is working in him, here it is that he says in Galatians chapter 1. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach, verse 11, is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation and so here you start to see about his message it comes by revelation God is not interested about our position he wants us to move by revelation God is not interested in my opinion he's interested in what I'm going to do with the revelation that he gives me and the, the, the revelation that he gives to you. And so it says here that he goes on from there. And as he goes on in this whole thing of procedure, there will always be relational alignments. That's the last point of this one. Relational alignments. You see, Paul, he needed an Ananias in order to bring that first word. And then after 17 years... What happens is Barnabas appears on the scene. Now the thing is Barnabas appeared 17 years previously and that says this to me, never give up on relationships. Because what God did 17 years ago, 
God is about to do something, I believe, with a relationship that you had many years ago, just like this lad, young person who I met on um, Thursday. Met him eight years ago on video. Can you see? And now I've come back into his life. See, never give up on relationships. And so here, Barnabas, it says, once Paul was saved, he took him up to Jerusalem to meet with the leaders, and then it seemed as if he left him. 17 years later, Barnabas goes down again to Tarsus, where he finds Saul. So what happens in all these 17 years? And then from there, do you remember him and um, Paul, Paul and Barnabas, have a big row and what happens is they separate because of John Mark why John Mark pulled back in one place instead of going forward listen John Mark was a young guy just having a hard time and rather than going through he saw the first missionary journey that Paul went on is arduous and he said I'm going back home to mom that's all, he, that's all he did. He went back to Mark. So when Barnabas, because Barnabas is this man of encouragement, he will pick up anybody. Hallelujah. Any Barnabas is here. See, just pick up people. And you just say, hey, listen, it's okay what Paul said. You know, that was just one of his bad days. But listen, come with me. Can you see? See, God wants you, come with me. Don't worry about that. And, and the thing is this, Barnabas will always see the good in somebody and bring it out. We need those people, relational alignments. And then with that, you see, even with Paul, he then gets a silence. Because Paul, when he's in prison, he's not just the only voice singing. See, so often we look at Paul, but it was Paul and Silas who, was, who, who were praising God. See, Silas, he hardly gets a mention. He doesn't even get a book written um, with his name attached to it. Paul never wrote to Silas. He wrote to Timothy and two letters. He wrote to Titus one, but Silas didn't get anything. And yet he was a traveling companion with Paul. So all of these things, you see, relational alignment. And listen, with all that we do, God is always on course correction in our lives. And we think that you know, we may have missed it, but God uses that in order to course correct us, to get us to the right position for our mission. The second, the third thing is this, how do we manage that process? See, and there are areas I want you to look at in managing the process because you don't, it doesn't just happen. How do you manage the process? See, for Paul, listen to the process. It says here in, um, in verse 15, it says, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. What is he saying? I didn't shimmy up against all the big notches in Jerusalem. See, my mission was not going to be determined by me getting up close to a Peter and say, hey, Pete, you know, I've had a great experience. Something like yours when you, you know, that fall that you had and how Jesus met with you. I've had one of those experiences. 
Can you see? And he didn't go up to Jerusalem to say, hey guys, I'm the one. I'm the one that you've all been scared of. And now I've been converted. I'm a Christian. Now what are you going to do with me? Because I've got a big message. Not only that, I've had a revelation about the gospel. And listen, I, didn't, I don't need you. I had a revelation and this gospel that I'm going to preach, I didn't receive it by anyone. No, Paul was saying this, the message I received, it came by direct revelation. And that isn't to cancel it because if you look at him and Peter and John, their message was the same. All of them received revelation. And so here the process is this. And then listen to what it says. It says then, then three years, after three years, being in the desert of Arabia, he went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and he stayed with him 15 days. That's it. And then it goes on. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea in Christ. The man who formerly persecuted is now preaching the faith. The faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Hallelujah. And then it says, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. So now a 17-year period had gone by. And what was God doing? He was helping Paul to know how to deal with people. See? And also how to deal with people emotionally. How are you? How do you deal with people emotionally? Do people rock your boat? Do people get under your skin? Well, listen, mosquitoes get under your skin. And sometimes it's the little things that people say to us to get under our skin. How many people here have ever had an elephant sit on them? Nobody? Can you see? So it's not the big things in life that we struggle with. It's the little things. It's the little things that come in, as you heard from Sean a few weeks ago, the little things that come, the little foxes that spoil and so here, you see, how do you deal with people? How do you deal emotionally with people? See, Paul had to get emotionally strong. And not only that, because, I mean, he was quite a fiery person. And you see that in the way that he dealt with Silas. Uh, sorry, with um, John Mark. Get him out of here. I'm not going with him. See, there were still elements in him, but God had worked a whole lot through. Also, to get over some of his fears of who he, how people might view him. See, how do you feel people view you? Because you have to overcome fears. You heard that this morning in the message on giving. See, if you're fearful of giving, let me tell you, money still has a grip on you. And so here we have to deal with people. How do you deal with pressure? Can you handle it? Or do you just teach it? See, it's easy to have a manual in terms of how you teach to handle pressure. See, we can all have our manuals of how to do it. But do we do it? Do we manage the process? Or have we just got a manual? See, you can write all manner of stuff. You know, there's people who write all manner of stuff over Facebook, over Twitter, all these, you know, 
one-liners. I get fed up with it. Because I know the people who write some of those things, I know them too. And that's why you don't see me writing too much. Do you understand? Because there needs to be, how do I manage those things as well? And so here, see, God is not interested in your manuals about how you got there. God is more interested in how you manage the process that got you there. And so here, how do you deal with problems? So people, pressure, how do you deal with problems? How do you deal with the problem of isolation? Because it will be real. There are times when you will feel isolated. How do you deal with the um, problem of being rejected? Because you will be rejected. I'm sorry, but you will be rejected. How do you deal with the pressure when you feel like you've been deserted and left alone? Paul said, even Demas has deserted me, but the Lord stood with me. Can you see? So we are going to have to deal with all of those things. How are you going to deal with accusation? You know, I was saying to Sharon the other day, I said, you know, I've got a wonderful line about Joseph. So I do know that there's good one-liners. And it was this, I would rather be with God in the prison than be in the palace with Potiphar's wife. Do you understand? Listen, that's a reality to me. See, I can remember when people say we were running a brothel in Telford working with people with addiction problems. And not only that, then being inspected by the inspector of social services to see what we were doing with the people who were coming into our drug rehabilitation. And then as that was going on, the ministry that we were part of come to us and said, listen, we have overstepped our budget. I've given up job. I've given up everything. I've moved up to Telford from Whitney in Oxfordshire. That's a nice place to live. Moved up to Telford. And then they said, we can no longer support you. So you are left high and dry. And I said, it's okay. It's okay if you, um, if you say you can no longer support us because God spoke to me last night and he did. And he spoke to me and Sharon, it was this. I've not left you yet. And I said, and God's still supporting what we're doing. And listen, we just saw God. See, mission releases God's provision. And we started to see God's provision. And listen, there are times... I, there are times when I, I think, God, it would be nice to just have one of those experiences again. But there's other times, you know, and you think, God, no, no, it was, it was great at the time. But, you know, to have a whole lot of food delivered to the door and you don't know where it's come from. You know, there's one day, I mean, the, the guys and the girls that we were working with who had addictive problems. I mean, this one day we had boxes of cream um, donuts and jam donuts, Eccles cakes. I mean, you name it, we got it. I mean, they thought it was heaven on earth. I mean, I've never seen two crates of cream cakes go so quickly, you know. But you see, the thing is, I wouldn't like to live on cream cakes for the rest of my life. But you see, God provided, even when it go, people go away from us and we can feel that we're left alone. See, we have to go through those times. See, what's your resume like? Listen to what it says of Paul. I worked harder than any of you. 
I was in prison more frequently. I was flogged 40 times minus three lashes. Are you getting the picture? I mean, how would you like to move into this place of a mission of an apostle? See, today we look at it in position because we see the, the big car, the big house, the big this, the big that. Can you see? And it doesn't work like that at all. See, I think we've got a wrong view at times. Um, I was beaten three times. I was stoned once and left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Left in the open sea. I was constantly on the move. In danger of rivers, in danger of bandits, and in danger of the Jews. Anybody want this mission? Sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, cold and naked. And then he says, and lastly, the daily concerns for the churches came upon me. Can you see? All of those things. Listen, that was Paul's regime. And he handled or managed the process. So if we're going to move into all that God has for us, we have to manage the process. So if you're going to see God watching over his word in order that there is a fulfillment of it, he is going to allow his word to have an effect in your life. <clears throat> Last point. I did say I was getting through it. Last point. And that is we stand then in the gap. God is watching over his word in order that we might mediate. See, there is one man between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. See, I believe that every one of us needs to be the man or the woman who stands in that gap for other people. See, and Paul knew how to stand in that gap. You see, those who, desert, those who deserted you in the past doesn't give you a license to desert them when they're down. Did you get that? See, it's so easy. Well, they didn't do that to me. I'm going to forget that. So those who deserted you in the past doesn't give you a license to desert them when they're down. You see, and the whole thing is this. You see it in the story of John Mark, 2 Timothy 4.11. And Paul is in prison. He's on his own. He's coming to the end of his life. And he writes this letter to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, when you come, will you bring the cloak? Because it's cold here in winter. That was the one. Can you bring the cloak? Also, he says, and can you bring the scrolls? And also, can you bring John Mark? Did you get that name? Can you bring John Mark? Because he is good. In the NIV, it says ministry. In the ESV, it says gospel. He is good for the gospel. And can you bring the parchments? You see, John Mark's desertion of Jesus of, and Paul did not give him license to desert him. And so the very thing that Paul was entrusted with was the gospel. And he recognized that this person, John Mark, was the person he longed for to share with him in carrying this load of ministering the gospel. And so here it says that Paul came to a point where he was able to be touched by the feelings of other people's 
infirmities. See, and with that, he moved into a place where he could still reach out to people. And he drew John Mark into that place of ministry. See, if we're going to enter in to seeing God fulfill his word in our lives, you need to understand God's mission in your life. You will need to understand how God will proceed with you to deal with those things so that you can journey in all of your life is a journey. Amen? And with that, how are you going to manage that process? How are you going to manage it? Because we will. How are you going to manage people and the emotional pressure? How are you going to manage the pressures? How are you going to manage situations that you're in? Because we will all have to do that. So that as we do, we're able to stand in the gap. And here, Paul, he lifts up this person, John Mark, and he said, even though he ran away with me, ran away from me, probably then 30 years later, Paul says, can you bring him? And he's around 65, 70 in prison. And he says, bring that guy, John Mark, because he's good. For the mission that I have been entrusted with. See, what about your life in my life? Why don't you stand this morning? And uh, I didn't get done. There was one more point. I did try. See, when we overcome our insecurities, we're able to step into the destiny that God has for us. And as we do that, God releases all that we need in order that we can minister into the lives of those who are in our sphere of mission. See, where you go this week, that's your place of mission. Do you understand? The people that you meet this week, that's your sphere. You know, if you're involved in teaching, that's your sphere of influence. If you're involved in politics, that's your sphere of influence. If you're involved in the arts, that's your sphere of influence. If you're involved in education, did I say education? If you're involved in education or in family, that's your sphere of influence. But you see, it isn't just about having a position there. It's knowing what your mission is while you're there. Because if you know the mission that while you're there, you will not be intimidated by other people so that you cannot say to them, just like Dave Fitzgerald said, Jesus really loves you. See, we can talk about lots of other things. You can talk about principles. You can talk about strategies. You can talk about all of those things. But if we never talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus, and I'm not talking about other Christians in your place. I'm talking about non-Christians in your place of work. Let me tell you, we haven't got hold of the mission. Because that's what the mission is all about. Letting people come into close proximity, not to you, 
but to the Lord Jesus. And you're there on that, um, for that purpose. Lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I ask that today we might understand our mission. And that is the prophetic word that you've spoken into our lives so that we might be carriers of your glory. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. Father, I pray for everyone here today that your word in them would so create a realm of glory that people can behold you through their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big clap this morning.